0: Hello and welcome to True Crime People and Places, the podcast where we explore the world of true crime from an academic and personal perspective. I'm Linda Sage, a criminal psychologist with over four decades of experience working with some of the most dangerous individuals in the world. This is a fairly new podcast and we are developing the systems and growing our audience, so we appreciate your support and feedback. This podcast may contain discussions of violence, murder, sexual assault and other topics related to true crime. Listener discretion is advised. If you are sensitive to these topics, please be aware that this podcast may be triggering you. If at any time you feel overwhelmed or distressed, please take a break and seek support from a mental health professional or support organisation. Hi and welcome. Uh, We're here this morning live, which is always a great thing to be doing first thing in the morning, but uh, we're going to have a chat about coercive controlling behaviour. Now, uh, we can look at it from several points of view. So with me is uh, soundproof box expert, uh, Lisa Mm -hmm. hay Bell. So Lisa, great to, uh, to be with you.
1: Lovely to see you this morning, Linda. i glad to be uh, online talking about this really important topic.
0: So we come at this really from different points of view. My, my background, if you don't know before, is uh, criminal psychology. So I've seen an awful lot of these people um, behind bars and you've seen a, an awful lot of these people and um, personally going through the other side of the situation as well. So, uh, hopefully, we can offer a great big uh, rounded view of uh, what uh, it is and how you can do something about it. So, Elise, tell us a bit about you and what you're doing.
1: Okay, so I work predominantly on early intervention around coercive control, so going to schools, um, colleges, youth centres. Um, And I have written, produced and directed an interactive theatre production uh, which engages young people around this topic. So we um, get them to spot the red flags in relationships using the medium of theatre. So we have a couple of actors on stage. I facilitate the discussion and we discuss the action that they're seeing. It's very interactive, giant flashcards, lots of red flags waving. But it's a, we're teaching young people about this. And the idea is around um, preventing generational cycles of abuse. If we can get to young people early, then we are less likely to see particularly coercive control, which is so little information about still um, out there. I also do a little bit of work with survivors of coercive control. And I see, as you said, rightly at the beginning, from the other end, I see people who've been victims of this, that that, that have kind of lost everything due to um, being in a controlling uh, relationship.
0: And, and also, you know, we're going to highlight, I know very often this be, uh, is brought up within the domestic violence and violence against women and, and girls, but it's, it's not just that, it, it's right across the genders, it's right across the social standing, it's across the
1: ages as well. Absolutely. This knows no bounds. And when I do work in schools, I always talk about the fact that we have these perceptions, our unconscious biases around what a victim might look like and what a perpetrator might look like. And actually, they can look like anybody on the street, because what we're talking about with coercive control is the emotional abuse and the controlling factors that sit behind that, not physical violence necessarily, although it can lead to that.
0: And I think that's one of the most uh, insidious points of it—that uh, an awful lot of people live with this for so long before they actually do anything about it, because you know it doesn't start from the first date; it builds up over time. And so you're making excuses for them, and you actually take on the responsibility because of the guilt, and you know, also you know the, the gaslighting and things like this that you start believing that it is all your fault.
1: Absolutely. You know, I always say that a coercive controlling relationship happens in three stages till it gets really serious. The first stage is what I call the grooming stage. So that's all the love bombing, the hooking you in, the prince or princess charming um, factor. Um, With a little bit of gaslighting, so some confusion thrown in quite early on just to throw someone off guard. That's kind of the first stage where everything's swept up, everything looks wonderful. And if it's too good to be true, it probably is. The middle phase is what I call the breaking down phase, where they're starting to belittle, humiliate you, break down your self-esteem and make you feel like you're worthless, um there's something called negging in there, which is a popular thing on uh, TikTok, which is about positive, negative reinforcement. Uh, and that's about like things like backhanded compliments. I like that dress on you. Don't you think it'd look better if you'd have bought a bigger size? All those little things are designed to just break down your self-esteem and create also some jealousy in there. And then the final stage is the escalation phase. So at this point, you've been isolated from friends, from family, uh, from all those support networks around you. They might also be controlling your finances, what you wear, what you do and in some instances, but not all, it can lead to violence, so that's why we call it the escalation phase, but that isn't in its entirety, we go back through the loop again, so it starts all over again with that love bombing, sucking you back in, telling you you're wonderful, all the way through, that cycle happens numerous times in a relationship, in a toxic relationship, imagine what that feels like for a victim, so that's kind of when I sort of support people when they're in that stage with, I feel powerless I've got nothing left
0: and I think you know, what you say is very valid there that uh, because they feel so isolated actually trying to get out of the relationship uh, is very difficult and also it, it could be an actual uh, dangerous time because that is uh, a, a time when the perpetrator feels like they're losing control so that the escalation is likely to be quite uh, dynamic and uh, dramatic at that sort of time as well
1: absolutely yeah I mean if they feel like they're losing control and you leave that situation you you can be faced with a whole barrage of post-separation abuse that involves dragging you through the divorce courts if you're married taking your children away making sure that you're financially broke Uh, the whole thing you know I keep talking about Uh, in a a sarcastic way that coercive control is a gift that just keeps on giving because even once you've left you're still embroiled in that so you can understand why people don't just leave it takes a lot of planning to get out of those situations and I think you know the first step is
0: coming out of that denial because, as you say, you know people will make excuses. They, will, you know, they will take things for so long that they tend to get into a codependency uh, type of need that uh, they can't see that life
1: can exist any different to what it is at the moment. Well, if someone's controlled what you wear, who you hang out with, what how you speak, what you do, even if you work or you don't work then you've got nothing left other than their world occurring. So, of course, it's really difficult to break that cycle if you're only in that world. And also, you see that world as normal because it's the only world you know. Your world's become smaller. So, so much so. And as I say, with the oscillation
0: and things like that that are going on, That uh, it's very easy to believe that uh, what they're saying and how much you need them Because, you know, they literally are the whole of the world. You know, nothing else is revolving around it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it it is quite destructive. Um, You know, and I always say, and I think it was a phrase that you said, by the time you've finished a, a coercive controlling relationship, you don't know if you want tea or coffee. You know, someone asks you if you want a drink. You don't know because someone else has always made those decisions for you. Look, that might—that's just an example. That might not be the case. There are lots of other examples I could give. Um, you know, around finances, particularly, I think financial entrapment is one of the things. And homes. You know, I spoke to a lady only this week down south, and she said to me, "I want to leave, but I can't because he'll take my house off me. We've got a joint mortgage, but he's going to drag me through the courts, which will cost a fortune. I'll end up with nothing." And I'm sixty, and I don't want that. So she feels really trapped. She's gone to ask for help and advice. There's not a great deal they can do because she's on paper. She's not penniless. Yeah,
0: very, very much. Right. And uh, obviously, the police and the reporting is a whole another ball game as well. You know, again, it's a very much a, a, I say it's a postcode lottery because if you're somewhere that does happen to have a good. Um, police uh, support unit but uh, it uh, it's not
1: everyone no i think what has helped is in 2015 the law on coercive control was put in place police do have some training there's still more work to done to be done they usually get to an incident when it's either become violent or it's very extreme what they haven't been given the training on is the subtle nuances leading up to that what has led up to that event of someone lashing out, whether it be a victim lashing out in in retaliation or whether it be somebody lashing out in, um, in a, an abusive way. I mean, they're both abusive, but um, there are different reasons behind that motive.
0: That's a really good point. I mean, I, I speak to a, a lot of people that actually become um, perpetrators because they've been victims or victimised for so long that... that, that In the end, they retaliate and then
1: they're thought of as a a perpetrator. Uh, And the reason my organisation is called Soundproof Box is because for a lot of victims, they feel like they're screaming inside when nobody's listening to them, nobody's telling what they say. They might be seeing a a snapshot in time and not looking at the full end-to-end picture. And with coercive control, have to look at the entire picture, not just a snapshot of the police turning up to an incident.
0: This is it. I think, yeah, yeah putting the pieces of the jigsaw together is so important. It's, instead of looking at uh, individual pieces, it's bigging uh, begin up the big picture. And,
1: making and it... you'll know this from your sort of criminal psychology background that if you don't weigh up the whole case, then you're just getting pieces of, uh, 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 fragmented pieces that don't make sense. And it's when you start to look at the patterns and all those things that make sense that you go, ah that's the perpetrator <laughs> exactly
0: now we've just done uh, a little bit of uh, insight to what we both do here and hopefully uh, we're going to be doing these sessions now uh twice a month so uh i think the second and the and the fourth first uh, Friday of the month I'm, I'm losing the days but uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us any questions we'd love to hear from you so Lise and and I are both uh, attainable on LinkedIn so uh, Lisa I'm just going to put you on the spot here
1: uh, if you had to give one piece of advice what would you be giving oh to a victim or to a family support member supporting I'm going to talk about family members and support networks um it eats three pieces listen don't judge and believe what you're hearing, but don't advise. <laughs> just sit, listen, don't judge and believe what they're telling you. Um, and I think, you know, if there were more people in support networks like that, it would be better. If people want to send us some emails. They can They can drop us some emails prior to the next session, which I believe is on, let me just double check the date. It is on the 27th of October yeah at 10 o'clock um i am info at soundproofbox.org if you send them over to me any emails me and linda will look through and we if we don't get any live guests we'll address some of the emails on the session fabulous yeah it, it, info it was, at soundproofbox.org brilliant and
0: me again if um if you are in this situation or you are feeling that your relationship if it, even if it hasn't got to that if it's a new relationship and you you know at least said very early on that if it feels too good to be true it probably is yeah you know, that is a really gold key that so many people as soon as we speak to them afterwards say oh but it was so good at the beginning Yeah, was so loving so supporting you know if it's over the top then you know that uh, there should be waving red flags already. So, and it's much easier to get out at the beginning than it is to get out afterwards when you're on the hook. So, for both of us for today, I want to say thank you so much, and hopefully you will be joining us on the next one. Don't forget, twenty seventh, ten a.m. Uh, are we still in British Standard Time? Yeah, we are in summer time still. Then we haven't changed the clocks yet. <laughs> so, for me, look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you for listening to true crime people and places. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, please let us know. See you next time.